The F-35 is supposed to be the Pentagon's platform of the future, the flying one, that is. But with no more than 15% of the planned fleet even built yet, the armed services are having trouble sustaining them and keeping the mission ready. For the latest, we turn to the Director of Defense Capabilities and Management Issues at the Government Accountability Office, Diana Maurer. Ms. Maurer, good to have you back. Thank you very much, Tom. Happy to be on the show. So you testified about the F-35, and I guess it's surprising that for something that's not even really deployed in, in its final form yet, still in testing and development, that they're having trouble with spare parts? What's going on here? Well, there, there are a number of factors that, that are at play here. Um, part of the issue is that the F-35 is cutting-edge technology. Um, this is something that's designed to be uh, well in advance the capabilities of our potential adversaries. So we're on, the, we're on sort of the, the bleeding, edge, bleeding edge of technology. But when you're talking about spare parts, um, part of the issue has to do with how the program is structured. And the program is structured in a way that it has an exceptionally high level of responsibility placed on the primary contractor, which in this case is Lockheed Martin. They are responsible for uh, building the spare parts, moving the spare parts around a global supply chain and making sure that they're provided in sufficient numbers to meet the military's military's needs. Um, That's not happening. One of the things that we found in our recent work is that F-35s, on average, were unable to fly about 30% of the time because of supply issues that were, were based on the lack of spare parts. And what is the nature of these parts? Because these planes are still relatively new. Some of them are brand new. And what are the types of parts that seem to be failing? Do we know that Lockheed is supposed to be supplying? Well, part of the issue comes with the way that the government has negotiated the contract with Lockheed. Within the U.S. military, the services have a target goal of only being unable to fly 10% of the time due to due to parts and supply issues. But the way the contract works in practice with Lockheed, that Lockheed's only required to provide up to a 20% level of lack of uh, inability to fly due to, due to lack of a spare part. So, the, so what the government has essentially negotiated with a contractor is not in line with what the services need. So that, that's problem number one. Uh, problem number two is that uh, the, it's a, the F-35 is so complicated it requires uh, thousands of contractors and subcontractors and sub-subcontractors to develop, produce, and move these spare parts around the globe. Developing and maintaining and executing on such a a diverse global uh, supply base is challenging. I mean, part of the issue as well is that this is an international program. So the U.S. has uh, partner countries who are co-equals from a governance perspective with the United States in making decisions about the program. That also means that suppliers are located in countries like the Netherlands and the United Kingdom, Turkey, and, and other countries around the world. So working on this global basis creates an additional challenge above and beyond uh, the contractor-led portion of the program and the fact that they're developing a state-of-the-art technology. Wow. And then there's another piece of this, which is the logistics information system. I guess that's part of the plane itself that is supposed to inform operators of when it needs maintenance, which would maybe simplify at least the planning for parts. But that doesn't work very well either, though, does it? No, it does not. So the the acronym is pronounced ALICE, and the concept is a wonderful one. The concept is before the aircraft takes off, you plug it into the system. It does a diagnostic check. It sees if something is broken or at risk of, of, of failing. 
It automatically orders that spare part. It tells the mechanic what needs to be replaced. It also uploads and downloads mission information, provides training, and a number of other things. So the concept is wonderful. The practice is, is quite different. Uh, Alice has been plagued with problems from the very beginning. It continues to be plagued with problems. Uh, it's, it's very time-consuming for mechanics in particular to work with the system. Uh, the underlying architecture was conceived of and developed 20-plus uh, years ago, so it's actually quite outmoded compared to the current uh, level of technology. So it, it creates a lot of problems, and it makes it more difficult for the services to maintain and sustain the aircraft. We're speaking with Diana Maurer, Director of Defense Capabilities and Management Issues at the Government Accountability Office. Is there a way out of this for the military and for Lockheed? Because it sounds like this is something that's not going to be solved with a couple of keystrokes or pen strokes. You're absolutely right. And, and it, it is important to give credit where credit is due to the Pentagon and Lockheed and the other contractors. There are a lot of very smart, very capable people who are working to fix these problems. There are no easy solutions. Um, big picture for most of the life of the program, which again extends back almost 20 years now, the focus has been on research development and production. Sustainment was uh, placed on the back burner, which meant that a lot of important details were not addressed, a lot of important agreements were not, were not uh, developed, and a lot of important uh, plans were not uh, thought through and implemented. So that means things like Alice languished. It meant things like the global supply chain and the ability to move parts around the world were not addressed. It meant that uh, the depot infrastructure that's necessary to re repair uh, major parts on the aircraft is now eight years behind schedule. The department is starting to take action, which is very encouraging. Uh, when we recently testified on this, we talked about 21 recommendations we'd made to the Defense Department, DOD agreed with nearly all those recommendations and is taking actions on, on them. But it took years to get to where we are today, and it's frankly going to take uh, years to dig themselves out of the hole that they're currently in. Now, your research was based on the fact that about 435, I think, of them, of the planned, in theory anyway, 3,300 pieces to be produced over the next however many years. And recently, the Pentagon the Program Office and Lockheed agreed on a price for the next 400 and some units of the F-35. If they go ahead and start building those, it sounds like these problems you've described are only going to get worse because there will be double the number of planes. Right, exactly. And that's, that, that is one of our concerns, is that the total size of the fleet worldwide is going to almost triple by 2023, which means that the Program Office and the contractors need to resolve these sustainment issues while they are simultaneously producing and fielding a very large number of aircraft. So it's a, it, it, it is a major challenge, but it's one that definitely needs to be addressed. You know, um, U.S. taxpayers for the 2,000 or so aircraft that will eventually be in the U.S. military are going to eventually foot a bill of about $1.5 trillion over the life cycle of the program. So it's important to make sure that there are sufficient spare parts, sufficient repair capacities, that the that Alice is able to work as, as planned. Otherwise, the aircraft simply won't be able to fly and meet the warfighter needs. Is there some component, some software system, some logistic system from one of the other older programs, the F-16, the F-15, for example, or from other outfits that operate large or build large fleets of planes that they could simply adopt and substitute at this point? Well, one of the things that the Pentagon is in the process of looking at is not, not just sort of copying and pasting, you know, software from, from another program, but they are researching a new way to approach ALICE, for example. 
since that program, since that system was developed so many years ago, there have been very different approaches to developing and, and upgrading and maintaining software. So the Pentagon is currently pursuing a variety of different options for updating and maintaining and potentially significantly changing ALICE so it's better suited to meet the current and future needs of the F-35 fleet. So that, that's one approach that they're taking. Sounds like they're going to call it Agile ALICE. <laughs> well, certainly Agile is, is one aspect of what they're looking at. That's right. Yeah, So, but if they do embark on some new approach to the ALICE, then that's going to set them back even further, perhaps, than trying to fix the one they've got. Well, that, that's certainly one of the challenges they're trying to navigate, right? Because if ALICE doesn't work, the F-35 doesn't work. So it's sort of like trying to build a new road and, you know, linking, you know, suburbs to a major city. You can't just completely shut down the road, build a new one, then open it back up again. Same thing is true of ALICE. Uh, The department needs to figure out how to make the current version of ALICE work better while it's simultaneously developing the next iteration and the next version of it to better meet future needs of the military services. Diana Maurer is Director of Defense Capabilities and Management Issues at the Government Accountability Office. As always, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much. We'll post this interview and a link to her report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. If you love to travel, you love cool experiences, you are going to love Viator. Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace. And for me, Sun Valley skiing is huge on my bucket list. So I just opened the Viator app, searched Sun Valley, and boom! Custom ski and boot fittings and tickets delivered right to our condo. Pretty unbelievable. Just download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking. One app, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.